You, if you know me at all, you know that I'm famous for not being a good cook. But a little while ago, I was challenged to do some baking. Look, the dough is already Well, I think I'll spread some butter on this, put on the cinnamon and brown sugar. I've got some raisins, and then I'll have some cinnamon buns and short over here. Mm. 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 for not being a good cook but a little while ago I was challenged to do some baking and I'm now very proud to say that I know how to bake so we're gonna bake a bit because we're gonna be looking at a passage where Jesus talks about him being the bread of life and uh, we'll get on to that in a second so the, the dough is all ready to go and I'm gonna roll it out here and away we go when we start sixth chapter of John. It starts at a lake. It's a big lake. It's called the sea, it's often called the Sea of Galilee. It's about 31 kilometers long, which makes it slightly shorter than Lillooet Lake. But it's about over 20 kilometers wide. Lillooet Lake's maybe one, one and a quarter. So it's uh, much larger than Lillooet Lake. Great fish in there popular place to fish and in the old in those times fishing was a big industry there it's around let's call it 15 kilometers 20 kilometers from where Jesus grew up Nazareth and um, about this distance from Mount Curry to Birkin so he would have been well known it's near his hometown just like many of the people in Birkin will be known in town here Interesting little factoid, it's the large, the lowest freshwater lake in the world, 200 feet below sea level. But it's freshwater, it's not saline. He met there to teach a large crowd. And that's how the start, this account starts. There's a very large crowd that has come to the lake to hear him teach. It's late in the day, and uh, the crowd's hungry, and <laughs> Jesus asks, what do they have to feed him? One of his disciples says, we don't have nearly enough money to buy food if we could even find it. But it turns out there's a boy there with six barley loaves. Barley loaves are poor people's food, and a couple of fish. And it's a famous account. It's recorded in all four biographies. Not all, the biographers often pick and choose what they're going to put in. Everyone puts this account in. It must have been famous in its day. Because somehow the crowds, it says 5,000 men. So it's at least 5,000 people. Did he mean, is that just an idiom of the day that 5,000 men is what you'd say for 5,000 people? Or was the idiom of the day that you would say 5,000 men and Everyone knew that there was probably an equal number or more of women and children as well. We don't know, but it's at least 5,000, maybe 10,000 people that are gathered. 
to hear him teach. And somehow they all get fed from these six barley loaves and the two fish. Pretty astounding, and the crowd is pretty happy. I've often wondered, how would it happen? Like, what actually occurred? Pretty astounding. It's hard to figure that out. doesn't tell us. How did he do it? The crowd probably wonders the same thing. The next day they get up. They haven't left. Sort of like the Pemberton Music Festival. The crowd's still there. And the disciples have left. They've taken their boats and gone, and Jesus is gone as well. They realize that he's probably gone to the other side of the lake. It's maybe five kilometers away, a little bit of a bay at that part of the lake. And so they set off in boats to find him. When they get there, they're eager for him to do a repeat performance. There's a bit of other stuff, and I invite you to take a look at John chapter 6, because I haven't included all the facts. I'm just hitting the highlights. Well, that's pretty well rolled out, I think. Maybe a little bit longer. Well, I think I'll spread some butter on this, put on the cinnamon and brown sugar. I've got some raisins, and then I'll have some cinnamon buns in short order here. We'll have my version of bread. And we'll sit down together and we'll look at it as I get to eat it. And I'll tell you how mine tastes. I wonder how those loaves tasted to that crowd. They were extraordinarily eager to find out, could Jesus repeat that feat? And we'll take a look at what John chapter 6 says in a minute.
We have this wonderful account, and we're now at the next day. What I want to do is just read through the account. It's the second half of the chapter of uh, John chapter 6. And then make some comments as I go. We're going to start with verses 25 to 35. Oh, I like to really ladle on the cream cheese icing. I'm not a very good ladler on her. Maybe I'll just try one for fun. Let me know if they're any good while you're getting your Bible. They're good. Very, very nourishing bread. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus doesn't really answer their question. He goes right to the heart of what they're after. Jesus answered them, Look, I'm telling you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For in him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Good holy answer. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Then they refer to something that had happened about 1,300 years before that, so 3,300 years before us, which was one of the most famous things in the history of the nation of Israel. They had left being slaves in Egypt, escaped under the leadership of Moses, and, um, but they escaped into a desert where there wasn't any food. And every Jew knew that what had happened was, 13 years, 1,300 years earlier, God had provided bread for them every day in the desert. And so they refer to that. Our fathers ate the manna, in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, look, I, I'm telling you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Um, for years, my extended family thought that my wife and I were going to kill our kids because we took them on holidays every summer 
And uh, our holidays were always adventure holidays from the time the boys were little. And we loved to go on backpacking trips, mainly. Uh, backpacking trips, you're carrying your food and it's stuff that you've, back then we wouldn't usually buy pre-packaged, freeze-dried. We'd dry our own and package it up in little daily packages and daily you'd then rehydrate this food and, um, and that would be your meal. And at the end of a six-day backpacking trip, I remember one was, one trip in particular was the bottom of the Grand Canyon and then back out. It was, there'd been a, a six-day one and then the next day we went on a trip to the bottom of the canyon for a three-day trip. And uh, when we got out, we were ravenous for real food. We also probably looked and smelled like we'd been in the desert for nine days. In fact, I know we did. And so, of course, what you do is you head straight to the nearest National Park Lodge, which is very beautiful and formal, and walk in smelling the place out and sit down in the restaurant with all sorts of people who've just got out of their Mercedes and whatever, looking very lovely, and order your lunch. And the food tasted spectacular. Over on Vancouver Island, we'd climbed Mount Albert Edward and then gone caving up north of Tassus and then gone and been on the beach for about four days. So that was 10 days of no bathing and eating crummy food and then going to the Wiccaninish Inn. The same crowd that had been there at the National Park were getting out of their Mercedes and we were smelling just as bad and walking in and the food was spectacular. It wasn't terrible. It was like this. It was good. Those were good times. And in the midst of those good times, they brought hunger. It was hunger for great food. And we needed something to fill that hunger. I've also found that bad times bring hunger. Sometimes it's for food, sometimes it's for other stuff. I don't know whether you're going through good times or bad times. Uh, bad times bring hunger. Maybe it's just the bad time you're going through, hunger for sleep. You just would love a good night's sleep because of all the pressure of life. Maybe it's hunger for relationships that are flawed or broken and you just long for what you once had and don't. Maybe it's hunger for your children to get it together and for the struggles that all of us face to be overcome by your kids. I don't know. I know that we all have good times. We all have bad times. Come to me and never hunger. Believe in me and never thirst. So he says this. Let's see what happens next. I want to remind you, he's from a place, if this is Lillooet Lake, he's from Birkin. It's George from Birkin telling the guys down in Pemberton Valley, I am the bread of life. You can imagine the response. It's a, uh, really? Mm. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you who have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father 
gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread came down from heaven. They said, like we would about the guy from Birkin. Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose mom and dad we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one comes to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. And then, if this wasn't hard enough for them to hear, you ever played blackjack? You know how you can double down like you got a good hand? Well, he's got a bad hand. Nobody's liking what he's saying so far. Jesus doubles down. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That's pretty tough. What does he do next? He doubles down again. If it wasn't tough enough to accept what he's saying so far, and if you're having trouble with it, he doesn't let us off the hook. It gets tougher. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Listen, I'm telling you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds in my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this will live forever. You know, um, I've often heard People say to me, your, your faith's good for you, and that's great. If it helps you, good. Put a little bit stronger or more negatively, I've been told, I think faith's a crutch for those who need it. If you can't get through life and faith helps you, well and good. And um, that idea of born in the mists of time from long, long ago has been current for 2,000 years anyway. 
You see it in the writings of the Greeks and the Romans. Most famously, it comes from uh, to fruition with Sigmund Freud, who described religion as wish fulfillment, that we just wish that something made sense of the chaos of life and give birth to religion. But the problem I have with that is I don't think anybody in their right mind or in their wrong mind ever wished for words like those. It's the last thing anybody wishes is true. It's the opposite of it. But what if it is true? What if our deepest need is not for what we think that we need? Whether it's bread or whatever. What if even our need for the basics like bread is really almost like a symbol or an image of what our real basic need is. Something that truly and totally sustains us, that makes the good times make sense and brings them into crystal clarity, but sustains us through the deep and dark times, that carries us through those, carries us even through death. Come to me, you will never hunger. Believe in me, you will never thirst. What if God himself took on human flesh, walked among us, taught us, was killed by us, but then rose again from the dead, the first human ever to do so? The passage goes on with two responses to this really, really difficult teaching of Jesus that we have that kind of a need, and the need is for him. Let me just read it to you. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do not take offense at this. What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted him by the Father. And then we get a description of the two responses. And John wants us to, the way he's written this, put ourselves in one of two camps. One of the two camps has a lot more people in it. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I don't know what's going on in your life, whether it's one of those periods that are good or it's a period that's bad. 81 days ago, my uh, 
younger son died, as probably most of you know. It's been the darkest period of my life. And I found that even as a believer, I can either walk away from God through that period or say with Peter, Lord, to whom else do I go? You have the words of eternal life. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, what's holding you back? The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks, and whoever opens the door, he'll come into their life. And the call is for these two things. Come to me, never hunger. Believe in me, never thirst. It's a really, really, really simple offer, isn't it? Why is it so hard? I remember, you know, the notion, Freud, that it's wish fulfillment. I remember when I first became a follower of Jesus, I was 14 years old, I think. I know where I was exactly, and I think I tried to piece it together. I was 14, could have been 13. And I heard someone speaking on a Sunday morning. It's the opposite of wishful I definitely did not want to admit that I needed Jesus. I just believed it was true. It was hard to say, Jesus, I do need you. I do believe that you have the words of eternal life. I've made a mess of my life. I turn it over to you and I rely upon you and you only to see me through. And that's my prayer for you. As hard as it can be to just say those words to Jesus, I'd invite you to do that. Why don't we do that? And just, uh, if it's in your heart to do that, pray along with me. Jesus, I hear these words that you said. Come to me and never hunger. Believe in me and never thirst. And that's what I long for. I plant my flagpole here, my stake in the ground now. I choose to become a follower of you. I accept that I need you. Amen. Go with God.
To see. 